listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm your host, Jimmy Price, also known as Astros Future, and you can find my work at AstrosFuture.com and find me on Twitter at AstrosFuture. And I'm your co-host, Brian Hamilton, and you can find me on Twitter at BHAM1720. And be sure to follow the official Apollo Media account at ApolloHOU, as well as hitting the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk some prospects as the minor league season starts to come to a close and then talk about the Astros and the race for the playoffs. But we'll get right into the, the minor league talk. Uh, the Skeeters are still playing. They, they have a few games left. They've actually played some really good baseball recently. They, they clinched the AAA West Eastern, I think it's called the Eastern Division title. Um, but they've been playing really good, but there's a couple guys. They've, they've gotten some strong performances from some guys they've called up from AA. One of them that I, I noted on here. Marty Costas, the dude's been an on-base machine all season. He's got a 403 on-base percentage in AAA, 425 on-base percentage overall. He's an outfielder. And it just kind of – talking about another outfielder in AAA just really brings it back. The, the amount of depth the Astros have created mm-hmm. at the outfield level now, and we've seen it with, with Jake Myers and Jose Siri and De La Cruz getting a, an opportunity over in Miami. Um, and it's just crazy to see the, the amount of uh, depth they've created. And it looks like Costas is another one, a guy that – uh, appears to be a guy who can probably make it to the majors. We don't know what he'll be there, but has a skill set to, to be able to help a major league team. Yeah, man, absolutely. That's the one area uh, of uh, depth that we definitely have. You and I have been hitting on that uh, since the beginning of the season. But like you just said, Brian, Brian De La Cruz, he's not here, but we traded him to Miami. Now he's getting his opportunity in Miami. Jose Siri, Jake Myers, these are all guys that we've called up that are all outfielders. And then obviously De La Cruz that we traded because we had such a plethora in that position. So yeah, it's pretty amazing to see us turn out all these good outfielders. Yeah, definitely. And then even on the infield, there, there's been a lot of uh, strong performances recently, most notably Jeremy Pena. saw he got injured early in the season and spring training. And then he's finally back. And after playing a couple of rehab games back with triple a and, uh, the dude's been crushing the ball lately. Right now he's hitting 297 in AAA, but he's got four homers in 18 games, doing exactly what you wanted to see from one of the top position player prospects. And what we expected of him is, is to go out there and produce offensively, but he's been really good defensively too. So really good to see him get some, some strong games under his belt because you want to see that almost just to give you a little bit of reassurance in case Carlos Correa doesn't resign. We know that we have Jeremy Pena right there ready and waiting if, if we need him. Dude, it's great that we actually get to see some of Jeremy Pena this year. We originally thought that he was going to be out for the whole season, but so far he has just been raking down at AAA, man. Um, I mean, I know that he did lose that season last year because of, uh, you know, everything with COVID and then again getting hurt this year. But, man, just being able to see him, if not for just for a month, that's still pretty good, man. And he picked up right where he left off, you know. Yeah, and they just built a a strong depth of of players that, you can call up at any point in time, and uh, Pena is obviously a top prospect, so we'll see what, what the plan yep. is for him next year. But, uh, yeah, nice to see him get some games here at the end of 2021. Another infielder who's having a strong year, C.J. Hinojosa. The Astros drafted him 
uh, way back when, and he ended up not signing with the University of Texas. They signed him on a minor league deal this year, but he's sitting 318 with 35 doubles, 10 homers, 64 RBIs, and a guy that I'm kind of surprised hasn't gotten an opportunity uh, when they needed a, an infield prospect, but really good year for him, and uh, we'll see if he comes back next year, but if not, he's definitely going to get an opportunity somewhere else based on the way he's performed this year. Yeah, if he's not in the Astros system, um, then yeah, he'll catch on somewhere else. Somebody's going to give him a major league tryout at some point. Um, and he end, he could end up – I'm not sure what his financial terms are as far as mm -hmm. his contract goes, but if he is still with the Astros next season, he could be a guy that we end up moving similar to Brian De La Cruz. You know, just you send him somewhere where they could use him and see if he can get a shot. Right. Yeah, and then uh, another one more on the hitting side, J.J. Matajevic, a guy we talked about. He, he's shown the power this year, the 24 home runs. Overall, though, he's he struggled a little bit at home, but the Constellation Field in Sugarland is a really tough place to hit. So he's got just a 700 OPS there, but he's got a 998 on the road. So once a guy, a guy we talked about, a little bit more depth at the corner infield, corner outfield kind of thing. Um, but he's got power. We'll see how he ends up playing. But just another guy that the Astros have had a, a strong performance out of this year out of at Double A AA and Triple A. Yeah, he has a name that a lot of people may remember because he was a high draft pick for us. Mm -hmm. But yeah, just yet another name. Uh, or another outfielder that um, we just keep stockpiling. And even though none of these guys are, are showing up on your top 100 list, they're still really solid ball players, and they're able to, to do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and they, they, they're getting the uh, performances offensively. It's been a good year for some, some offensive performances in the system. But they've had some breakout pitchers, too, and one of them being J.P. France, a guy in start of the season in double-A, uh, put up some really good numbers. He's gotten promoted to AAA, and things have been even better. He actually leads the Astros system in strikeouts. He's got 145 and 105 innings. And he's not going to blow you away with this stuff, but just knows how to pitch, man, get strikeouts, and looks like a guy that I think the Astros will will definitely give an opportunity to at some point. Uh, probably obviously not this year with the, the season winding mm -hmm. down, but in the future at a, you know, in the relief role, maybe a middle relief or something like that. Something kind of like we saw maybe out of Chris Davinsky when he first came up. Yep. Spot starter, middle reliever. I mean, they all play an important part. And like you just said, 145 strikeouts and only 105 innings. That's man, that's legit. That's lethal. So that would be definitely be something that we could uh, use at the big league club. Yeah. And there's, there's, he's not the only one down in triple A. Another guy got promoted from double A to triple A. Jonathan Bermudez, and he's been he's been killing it in AAA. Overall, he's got a 287 ERA, 136 strikeouts and 103 innings, mm -hmm. and just a, a phenomenal season for a guy who I think he was a 23rd round pick a few years ago and is now leading the Astros or you know, second in the Astros system in strikeouts, an ERA under three at a high level lefty. So a guy that I definitely expect to see more of in, in the future. And then one other pitcher we'll hit on in triple A, Hunter Brown. We all know about him, really good stuff. But he's he's had some struggles a little bit in AAA, but overall, last four starts, he got a 2.95 ERA, and he still showed off that strikeout stuff, 117 strikeouts and 92 innings this year. So even if he doesn't pitch again, which I'm sure he will, the, the hooks or the Skeeter's got about 10, 15 games left, he'll probably get another start or two. Just a really good season for him. He's already set a new career high in innings. He hasn't pitched as many innings in, uh, in in professional or college. So really good season for him at 22 years old, and I can't wait to see what he can do next year. Well, assuming they're all in the Astros system or at least under team control next year, uh, Bermudez and Brown should all be at the major league level at some point next year, if not staying for the long haul, mm -hmm. uh, especially Brown. But France, like you were saying, um, his stuff will play up well in the bullpen or a middle, middle relief role. But yeah, Jonathan Bermudez, some, talk about a guy who just came out of nowhere that some people have just still haven't really heard of. Yep. But, um, but yeah, it's just, just like with all the others, man, with the Frambers, the Luis Garcias, not everyone knew about him uh, up front, but once they get to the big leagues, they'll start to make a name.
Yeah, definitely. And we'll jump down to double A. Now the hooks ended the season at 54 and 65. So for the next three, we'll, we'll talk about some final season numbers for these guys. But as we move on in the podcast uh, in the next few weeks, we'll, we'll really look at some breakout prospects. But so we'll go to the hooks 54 and 65. Uh, one of the main guys there, guy that played a lot of a lot of time in Double A, Joe Perez, started off the season incredibly hot and and low A and high, and and really proved that he was was better than the competition he was playing. Got promoted to Double A, uh, but overall he ended up hitting 291, 34 doubles, 18 homers. He actually led the Astros system well to this point um, in extra base hits and total bases, and he had some struggles in Double A. But the last 36 games he hit 316, 15 doubles, six homers. So a 21 year old that coming into the year, me and you were very excited to. See, yep. just get the opportunity to, to play a full season healthy. And, and I don't think you could have asked much more out of a guy like Joe Perez this year. Absolutely. Like you just said, you and I were talking about him even before the season began, how excited we were to see him. He has been injury plagued his entire career so far. But this year he finally got healthy. He, he was able to put the injuries behind him, got promoted two different times. So, yeah, man, everything's looking good for him. Those overall numbers are great. He'll likely, what do you think, he'll likely start off in A next year, but should end the year in AAA or even the big league club, depending on health up there, you know? Yeah, and it's, it's hard to say because, I mean, he, he spent a lot of time in A, and the numbers were a lot better towards the end. They could start him off in A and then just pro to AAA at some point. But either way, yeah, super excited to see what he does next year. Another guy that actually just got promoted to A or AAA today, Corey Lee, spent most of his time down in Corpus, mm -hmm. uh, just got promoted to AAA. That way he could get a few more games in since the, their season's a little bit longer than, than AA. Um, but he was incredibly hot to start the season, got to AAA and was just tearing the cover off the ball. And then I hate, I think he had some uh, oblique strain or something like that. Struggled a little bit, but still, still has an OPS around 800, 11 home runs. And we're going to get to see what he does in AAA over the next, I think they got, like I said, about 10 or 15 more games. Then they have what they call like the home stretch was like another 10 games and uh, the final stretch, something like that. And the highest winning percentage in those 10 games is who the champion is. Some, something like that. But we're going to get to see now. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to see what he can do in AAA. And man, a, a good, strong finish to the season for him would be really nice. Yeah, he had just, I mean, <laughs> I don't even know how else we could put it other than he had a perfect season for his position and everything. Yeah. No issues behind the plate, nothing with his arm, nothing with his bat. Everything was great. Another guy that got promoted – well, he got promoted, what, three times now if he's going to AAA. So, yep. that – am I wrong? No, no, there's three times. Yeah, so oh, yep. he was moving through the system pretty fast, him and Joe Perez. But Corey Lee will be on the big league club next year. He could end up being um, – you know, he could break camp with us just yep. depending on the situation with Castro because Maldonado is not going anywhere. But, yeah, man, what a great season for him. Yeah, that's one thing we talked about too coming into the season is we didn't know how how aggressive they were going to be with the prospects, and I think we've seen it this year. And they've been they've been very aggressive. We've seen we've seen plenty of guys get promoted two three times uh, from you know low right. A all the way up to double A or high A to triple A, and uh, it's been nice to see nice to see that challenge. And a lot of the guys have, have taken well to it. But another guy in double A who started the season a little bit slow, but I mean really finished strong. Um, David Hensley, he's a, a tall. Mm -hmm. Lanky infielder, but he plays all over the infield, shortstop, third base, second base, first base. He ended the season hitting 293 with 25 doubles. And it, that batting average kind of snuck up. And I, I went back and I started looking at the numbers. And over his last 45 games, he's hitting 345 with a 432 on base percentage. So drawing walks too. He, he's a yeah. little older. I think he's 25 years old. But to see a guy like that who has that versatility, who can play all over the all over the infield, hit some doubles, hit for some average, and, and the way he finished the season. We know those guys are valuable. We see how valuable they yep. are when, when we need them. I mean, we saw Degoti this year, Taylor Jones, and we've seen a lot of the guys come up in the Astros like that versatility. He's a guy that if he continues to do this, especially next year in AAA, uh, maybe he gets an opportunity to, to get some spot starts with a big league club. 
Yeah, and like you just said, we see it all the time, especially, or we we have been seeing it. Marlon was instrumental in our World Series run. Um, and now you have Aledmus Diaz, and like you were just mentioning, those other guys that we brought up, the versatility is definitely key there because they can play all over the infield. Some of them can play everywhere. Like Marwin, I think at one point he played every position except for catcher over the course of the season, So, mm-hmm. well, and pitcher. But, yeah, man, those kinds of guys, very, very valuable, and we have them all throughout our system. Yeah, and then one thing we've talked about, too, is, is the catching depth. It, it felt like for a long time the Astros did not have a lot of, at catcher. You know, they had Jacob Nottingham uh, uh, back in, I think, was it, Set fifth, fifteen, or say whenever they traded for Scott Casimir, I think that was two thousand fifteen, right? Um, yep, and it they, was. They, and and, and he, yeah, he seemed like a guy that was on his way up, and um, it just seemed like the, the the depth was just not there. Well, then you look this year, and you got Corey Lee now in, now in AAA with Michael Papierski, and Double A you got Luke Barry Hill, Scott Manea who went out with an injury but put up a good season. He at two eighty six with a four hundred five on base percentage in sixty five games, and is is a is a good defender behind the plate. And then we'll talk about him here in a little bit. Yiner Diaz. Nate Perry. I mean, the, the depth of catchers has been really nice to see. And Manaya is just another guy who put up a good season, good defensively. And, uh, you know, him and Lee in AAA potentially next year, that, that's a good duo to have if they end up needing some needing some help down the line. And obviously, Corey Lee's the guy of the future, the guy that we're all looking to. But that catching depth is so important. We've seen that over and over. Right. And like, even though I knew that the players were there and that we had them in our system, I never really put it into perspective until you were talking to me, what, a month or two ago about that, like how we have like a decent prospect, if not decent to legitimate prospect at every uh, level at the catcher position. That's amazing, man. Most teams don't even have one and we've got four or five. So that's that's really, really good, man. Yeah, definitely. And there, there's just been a lot of good performances. It's been a it's been an awesome year. I'm kind of sad that it's ending just because it's been so nice to have minor league baseball back. But another guy yeah. who you weren't expecting a lot out of Emmanuel Valdez and he we'll see if he finishes with the most, but he's got the most right now. Uh-huh. Home runs in the Astros system with 26 homers, 90 RBIs, small guy plays all over the infield, a uh, really second, third base type of guy, but man, the guy's got some pop. He got promoted to double a, he's hit five homers in 23 games for the hooks. And I, I don't know what it's going to, you know, what the, the end game will be for a guy like him, but just another lefty bat that's got some pop. And I'll jump right down to Luke Berryhill since we just mentioned him. He started mm-hmm. out the year in low a, you know, we traded CNL Perez for him and really weren't sure we were getting just getting an, a minor league catcher back. And he put up an awesome season, hit 295 overall, 20 doubles, 15 home runs, making it to double A. And uh, just like you talk about that catching depth. And he's another guy that's that's just added to that depth. And obviously, you know, he, he's played some first base and, and things like that. So he can move around a little bit. Um, but just it seems like everything other than the overall record, a lot of things went right for the Astros this season in the minor league system. And that's with, you yes. know, Forrest Whitley being hurt and Jeremy Pena being hurt. And then a little bit of the injuries that happened to Leon and Lee overall, there were just so many positive stories from the minor leagues this year. Well, and, and one thing that, you know, I just want to reiterate again that you and I have talked about most of the time, whenever we talk about our minor league system, it's not nearly as bad as everyone says that it is, or, or as the rankings say, but it's because we don't have multiple top 100 prospects. There are very few teams that have this kind of depth, even in the top 10 in all of minor league baseball. You know what I mean? But right. because we don't have like those four, five, six, seven blue chippers that are top 100 prospects, that's why the system isn't rated as highly. So just because we don't have those doesn't mean that these guys aren't going to be good and solid players at the next level. Yeah, and the scouting is so important. And two guys I'm about to note were undrafted in 2020. So that, that draft was only five rounds, but one of them, Jimmy Endersby was undrafted, had a 3.4 ADRA, struck out 110 and 97 innings. And the walks were were there, but for a guy in his first season, you know, following an undrafted uh, a, a draft in 2020, really good season. And then another guy we've talked about, Jonathan Sprinkle, he's got a 0.87 ERA in Double A, 
This year, he struck out 79 in 44 innings. I mean, it's just insane strikeout rates. Once again, the walks were there, but I think in 44 innings, he allowed like 20 hits or something. The guy's pretty much unhittable. He just walked too many. But really good season for an undrafted free agent, um, a guy that actually hopefully in the next few days I'll have a piece coming out on him. And just two guys, that two pitchers that the Astros scouted, signed as undrafted free agents, and got really good performances out of them, and guys that you can look forward to seeing what they're going to do next year. Yeah, the guys that are building on the uh, on the great year that they had this year that continued. You know, one thing that we we hit on at the beginning of the season where we saw some of these guys that would come out, they were having good week after good week, and it just kept going, and they never really slowed down. I mean, there's a lot of players like that in our system. Uh, Endersby, Sprinkle, like you were talking about, Luke Berryhill. Um, you know, they just put together a solid year, man. And whenever you do that, it does make it exciting to see what they can do next year. Yeah, and then exactly and one other guy who it's weird he got he got like a two innings in AAA and then went back down to AA. But Nick Hernandez, a guy from University of Houston, had a really good season: one point six seven ERA, sixty eight strikeouts and fifty four innings. And like I said, you look at the overall record and you think, okay, mm-hmm. maybe the hook struggled or some of the other teams. But there were so many good performances. And uh, I mean, you saw the re ranking of the Astros system, and, and when you go look at their top thirty prospects, there's a lot of really good performances, both pitching and uh, and offensively. So really good year. Overall, Nick Hernandez, another guy, another relief prospect that put together a good season. Yep, and absolutely. I mean, like you said, the record doesn't show just how much talent was there. But if you think about it, I mean, Corpus was almost a revolving door this year. Yep. We kept having guys get promoted and then they get promoted again. Um, some that were going up to AAA, some that were going down. But, you know, I mean, they didn't really have like a uh, – I, I, well, I hate to say it this way, but maybe like their team just wasn't so much of a cohesive unit because mm-hmm. they had all the promotions going on. So – you know, but there's still a lot of good players that were right. there, man, and some of them that we ended up seeing in Houston. So, yep. All right, that's going to do it for segment one. In the next segment, we're going to talk about the uh, the tourist and the woodpeckers, and we'll get to that in just a moment. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast, presented by Apollo Media. If you enjoy the show, do us a favor and drop us a review or leave us some stars. So we'll get down right to high A, the tourist first year that the Astros had Asheville in their system since. I think it was like maybe the 90s or something. I know Craig Bejo played for the Asheville Taurus way back before he came up, uh, maybe oh, in the wow. 80s. Yeah, it's, it, he actually had a pretty good season. I remember looking it up. The Ash, or Asheville Taurus have been around a long time. But first year with them, uh, they finished the season 54 and 62. They they had some struggles too. We saw that. But overall, it seemed like they, they started playing a little bit better baseball. And I think they got some, some stability from some of these guys we're about to talk about mainly one being J.C. Correa, uh, put together a really good season. At one point in tr- or high A, I think he was hitting like 340 to 350. He finished hitting 314 in high A, 310 overall, 32 doubles, nine homers. Uh, and just like we talked about some of the other guys, I don't think you could have expected much more out of him. You know, he he was also an undrafted free agent last year, probably would have got drafted maybe if it was a normal 40 rounds. And some people looked at it like, oh, you're signing, you know, Carlos Correa's younger brother, but he, he's definitely a, a good prospect in his own right. Uh, this was his age 22 season and showed what he can do, hitting for average, hitting for some doubles, didn't strike out a ton and, and put together a really good offensive season. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, undrafted, but still, I mean, it doesn't really matter about the rounds. I mean, anytime you get somebody that's undrafted and you come in and they start playing well, you're just playing with house money at that point, man. I mean, he had a really good season, uh, much better than I thought a lot of us thought he would have. Um, something against him. It's just, you know, we didn't really know much about him other than that he was Carlos Perez's little brother. Right. Yep, and I, I don't know why it just dawned on me, so I'm going to say it now. I completely forgot. Pedro Leon was also activated off of the – I don't know what they call it in the minors. I forgot, but the, the IL. He's back. He's with uh, the Skeeters. He should be playing tonight. We're recording this on a Monday, but should be playing tonight. So we'll finally get to see Jeremy Pena, Corey Lee, uh, and Pedro Leon all in the same lineup, probably batting 
I don't know, in the top five or something. So that's going to be an exciting game tonight. But we'll jump down to the next one. Shea Whitcomb, he's a guy we talked about a, a ton because the guy had a phenomenal season, signed for $56,000, fifth-round pick. But overall, he had a 959 OPS in high A. He finished the season hitting 293, 23 homers, 30 stolen bases, and, and just really caught fire. I actually looked up his last, his final 20 games, he hit 366 with 11 doubles, six homers, 28 RBIs. Just phenomenal numbers from a guy that – uh, fifth round pick had a good, pretty decent college career, but didn't sign for a whole lot. Not really sure what you're getting and, and put together like, I mean, a really awesome year playing all over the infield. And just like we talked about with Correa and and double A with Hensley, those versatile infielders that can hit like that are, are very important in a system. And Wickham looks like another one that we can potentially count on. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, man. I mean, I, and I feel like his name is one that we've seen uh, that we've talked about every week, almost whenever we record the podcast. He's just had a phenomenal year, like yep. you said. Um, we're going to be looking for more great things from him next year because he's still got a, a good year or so left in the minor league system, assuming everything goes right. Yeah, for sure. And man, I'm I'm, I'm reading these the, the names that I put down here, and it like I don't know, it, it's crazy seeing that some of these numbers. I don't know, maybe it's maybe I'm letting my my uh, my joy kind of get involved here. But Yonder Diaz, the next guy on my list, you know he. He got traded in the or, uh, to the Astros in that mile straw deal, and you, you really weren't sure where you're getting. He saw some decent numbers. A little bit of time in low A with the Woodpeckers gets promoted to high A. And in 25 games, he hit 395 with 11 homers and 33 RBIs in 25 games. His final season line, 324, 25 doubles, 17 homers, 90 RBIs yep. from the catcher position. Talking about that death, man. To get a guy like that, I mean, just a, a really phenomenal season. I mean, and had probably one of the best stretches in any level that we saw this year with what he was doing in high A when he got promoted. And, man, just a, another – Really phenomenal performance this year in the Astros system. Yep, and when we got him in that trade for uh, Miles Straw, I know a lot of people started taking notice to it whenever Jim Callis quote tweeted it and said that Yiner Diaz is much more than just yep. a throw-in, that he is he's a legitimate prospect. So I know that that put him on a lot of our maps, and man, those numbers that you just uh, quoted off, that's that's super, super um, like inspiring to think yeah. of that we have more than one catching catcher down there putting up those kinds of numbers. So that's just amazing, man. Yeah. And, and there's a good chance he's probably going to start this season in double A. And, you know, so then you got Lee and triple A Diaz and double A and that, that depth, you know, just there with Barry Hill and, and Papirski and some of the other guys joining him. So yeah, great depth at the catcher position, but on the topic of, of scouting, we talked about some of the undrafted free agents. Another one, Justin Dirt, and he's a guy that was a, also signed as an undrafted free agent, but put up a really good year. Hit 274, 15 homers, 10 stolen bases this year between low A and high A. Drew a lot of walks, got on base, and just another performance that I don't think a lot of people expected coming in. I didn't know a lot about the guys an undrafted free agent, put up a good year. And and just yep. it just seems like the Astros scouting has done a really good job finding those diamonds in the rough. Oh, yeah, especially whenever it comes to those kinds of, uh, you know, the, the way that we pull them through the system, we get them in there, we coach them up, we see what they can do, we unlock those tools. We have a great, great system. We have great teachers down there that help develop yep. good coaching. Indeed. Everything down there is just just phenomenal. It's like you said that there were several guys that were undrafted last year in the shorter draft that chose to sign with us, even though they were getting offers, like a little bit better offers from other teams. And that's just because they, they knew that they would be coached up properly with Houston. That's really cool to hear. Yeah. You know, and while we're on the topic, of, that's one thing I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to put an article together, just looking at the 2020 draft, the guys who drafted, but then the guys that weren't drafted and how they performed this year. Cause honestly, the Astros probably got better performances out of the guys that were undrafted than the guys that they drafted in those five rounds. I mean, other than Shea Wickham, but um, we'll jump down to the pitching side, a guy that I don't know a lot about, a lot about 
Dios Murky Tavares, but had a 1.53 ERA in high A with 21 strikeouts and 17 innings, and just another 21 year old pitcher who has good K rates. And the amount of strikeouts the Astros saw from some of these guys this year was insane. And and we'll jump right to the next one: a 21 year old Messiel Tavares, and had a, a really good year. Really broke on the scene as one of the one of the top pitching prospects probably in the system. Right. Uh, finished the season with 3.76 ERA, 103 strikeouts and 76 innings. But his final 10 outings, he had a 2.51 ERA with 65 strikeouts and 46 innings, uh, just really dominating. I mean, he had some performances that were absolutely dominating. Guys couldn't hit him at all. A lot of strikeouts. And another fine by the Astros uh, Astros International Scouting, uh, another guy that looks like he's going to be one of the top pitching prospects in the system, easily if he's not already, for sure next year when he gets to the opportunity in double-A. Oh, for sure, man. I mean, just those kinds of numbers. And the fact that you, that you talked about his final 10 outings with that 2.5 ERA – that just shows that like the, he, he's being told about certain things that he can do to get better. And he's listening to the coaching. He's doing what he's being told to do. He's making adjustments. That's man. That's really encouraging, especially when it comes to the pitching side. Yeah, definitely. And the Astros, we, we've seen it over and over. You mentioned earlier in the podcast about the guys that they've developed, the, the Garcia's, uh, the Javier's, you know, or kitties, the guys that aren't the top prospects. They're not top hundred guys and they end up coming up and, and being very successful pitchers. And uh, the Astros have continued to do that. And another guy, Julio Robena is 21 or 20 year old lefty this year struck out 88 and 77 innings a 374 ERA another guy that probably not a lot of people know about but had success uh, between low A and high A and then one other guy I put him on the high A only he had a couple outings in double A but Jaime Melendez 19 years old yep. struck out 90 and 58 innings the walks were a little bit of an issue but they were only really an issue in high A and that's a it's a hitter's park. So it's tough to pitch there. And I could see why some pitchers might get really, really picky in where they're pitching. But overall, as a 19 year old to get to double A, three, five, seven ERA, just another good find by the Astros, another international signing that they got. Um, and, and that's having success in the system. Oh, yeah, man, for sure. I mean, Hami Melendez is another guy that I feel like has been on our list that we talk about every single week. You talk about a guy that just came out of nowhere. He's had a great year. Yep. You said he's only had like a handful of games at double A, but that's where he'll be next year, yep. probably for the majority of the year, unless he just starts blowing people away, which would be great. <laughs> and then they can bump him up. But yeah, man, super excited about him. Yeah, for sure. And then we'll jump down to the Woodpeckers last team here. And they, they finished at 55 and 64. Uh, we talked about it a few times on the podcast. They were kind of like, they had a lot of good performances, and then those guys got promoted. I mean, we saw Joe Perez, J.C. Correa, Shea Whitcomb. Uh, we talked Yiner Diaz. There's a lot of guys that were were very good in, in low A and got promoted. But Jordan Brewer, dra Astros drafted him back in the third round in 2019. Hit 275 this year with a 785 OPS, mm -hmm. 21 stolen bases. Solid numbers. He's a little old for low A, but he was also a very raw prospect when the Astros drafted him. Really good, really good talent, but the Astros had a lot of refining to do with him. Finished the season pretty strong, like I said, hitting that hitting at 275. So uh, we'll, we'll see what he does next year. But overall, you got to see a little bit of what the Astros saw in him when they drafted him in the third round, and he was able to show a little bit of that talent out on the field. Yeah, especially towards the end of the season, like you said. I mean, still solid numbers across the year, but yeah, yeah he put it together towards the end of the year. Most likely we'll end up right back at low A to start the year off. But assuming that he builds on his the end of his year this year, uh, moving into next year, that he shouldn't be there very long. Yeah, and really the next couple guys we're going to talk about are basically all from the 2021 draft, and the Astros had some phenomenal performances. I'm going to go straight to the pitching, then I'll get to the hitting, but the pitching. Spencer Aragetti, they drafted in the sixth round. He struck out 22 in 13 innings. Rhett Kuba, they drafted in the 12th round. He struck out, or he had a 1-3-5 ERA in 13 innings. And then Chase McDermott, 
who uh, is, mm-hmm. is was definitely one of their higher uh, upside picks they got in the fourth round. Uh, I think it, that was the uh, comp pick they got for George Springer. He struck yep. out 40 in 21 innings and allowed just 12 hits. I mean, phenomenal numbers. They didn't obviously they didn't get a ton of time just with the way the draft fell and when the season ended and everything like that. But <clears throat> you see these insane strikeout numbers from some of these guys that they drafted. And it, it like I said, it just shows shows the way that the Astros are running things in the system, the scouting and everything, it's working. And despite being the 29th ranked team by Baseball America or 29th ranked uh, system by Baseball America, they know how to run a system. They know how to draft players. They know how to get the most out of guys. And that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and like we said, after the draft, assuming that we signed him pretty quickly, which we did, we were hoping to get him into minor league ball because, you know, the, the lower levels tend to end their seasons a little bit quicker. Yeah. Um, uh, so it's good that they got in there, man. They got their feet wet. They'll most likely all be right back at low A next year. But still, just the fact that they were able to finish out their college years and in some cases their high school years and then get right into pro ball, that's great, man. Yeah, for sure. And another on the hitting side, Michael Sandel, a guy they drafted in the 10th round, didn't know a lot about the guy, but came in and he hit uh, 287, 10 doubles, four triples, six homers. And then another guy that people will definitely know the name, Will Wagner, was so obviously <laughs> Billy Wagner's son. They drafted him the, the 18th round out of Liberty University. Didn't really know what you were getting, signed him for $50,000. And he ended up hitting 299 in 31 games, had eight doubles, two homers, kind of playing all over the infield, playing some shortstop third base. And a really good, really good uh, season for him. I mean, 31 games in the minors this year, but good performance and something that you can at least look forward to next year. Maybe you'll get some opportunity in high A. And once again, just showing the Astros the the way they've developed players. And one other guy I'll hit on in in, in low A, Alex Santos, the uh, Astros pick from a couple years ago, had a uh, 3-4-6 ERA, struck out 48 and 41 innings in his first real opportunity in the the system. So nice to see that. And, And like I said, man, the Astros are drafting wherever they're drafting. doesn't matter if they're at the top of the draft or the bottom. doesn't matter if they lose those top picks, which obviously you prefer to have them, but they're finding studs basically everywhere in yep. the draft. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it's just – it's making – it's getting people excited for the minor league system next year or the minor league season next year just to see how these guys do, where yep. they get placed to begin the season, how they progress. It's, it's really exciting. All right, that's going to do it for segment two. When, when we get back, Brian and I are going to really talk about the Astros Big League Club and take a look at how they're playing and, and kind of look towards the postseason. We'll get to that in just a little bit. And continuing on here at the Astros Future Podcast presented by Apollo Media. Remember, if you do enjoy the show, make sure you drop us a review, leave us some stars. We appreciate the feedback. So we'll get right into the Astros. A good weekend overall. I mean, they won two or three against Arizona. It was a lot closer than you expected it to be facing a team that has over 100 losses. But sitting at 88 and 61, six-game lead ahead of Oakland, I don't know. You never want to get comfortable, but feeling pretty comfortable that they, they're going to end up winning the AL West. I think the magic number is down to like eight or something like that. And I'm looking at the record, and I, I predicted 94 wins. And I was listening to radio this morning, and Sean Pendergast mentioned the over under coming into the season was 87 and a half. And the Astros are already over that, and they got another 13 games. So, oh, well, I didn't know that. yeah, people were really sleeping on the Astros. And I felt 94 was even a little conservative because of how they played. And it looks like they're going to end up, you know, busting that and, and potentially winning 96, 97 games. And, it's just crazy to think that way because it feels like they've, they've played some really good baseball. They've played some bad baseball against some bad teams, and they're still going to win, you know, probably 90, was it 95 to 97 games? Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, like you said, we're six games ahead of Oakland. I mean, I don't want to jinx anything here, but it would take a pretty big collapse yeah, and a pretty sure. big hot streak by either Oakland or Seattle because I think Seattle's only like a half game behind them just to catch us. So, yeah, most likely we are going to win the division. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize that the, the win total was that low, but it doesn't really surprise me considering everything that happened yeah. with us over the last two off seasons and last year not being a real season. 
So I hope Dodger fans hear that because it wasn't a real season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It did not count. <laughs> yeah, white from the exactly. So one guy I want to talk about, we, we talked about him so much earlier in the season because he was struggling, but the, the advanced numbers look good. And I remember putting him out there and everyone's like, it doesn't matter how hard you hit the ball if you don't know where to hit it. And, oh, advanced numbers, blah, blah, blah. Kyle Tucker, guy has been freaking phenomenal since May. I mean, for the season, he's, he's at 4.9 war, uh, a 145 OPS plus, really phenomenal season. That's with a tough May, but since May – or a tough April, but since May 9th, I just pulled the stats this morning – Sitting 337, 31 doubles, 21 homers, 68 RBIs, a 175 uh, weighted runs created plus. That's the best batting average yep. in baseball since May 9th and the the best weighted runs created plus in baseball since May 9th. Uh, he's tied with uh, Bryce Harper. They both have a 175 rate, uh, weighted runs created plus. The guy is one of the best, not just outfielders, probably one of the best hitters in all of baseball. And he's not getting talked about enough, but having – a really freaking good season. And I think people forget that he's only 24 years old and he's putting up a, a five war season, potentially even more but it, really good season from him. And uh, you, you talk about cornerstones, you talk about the, the window extending the window, you got him and you got Jordan Alvarez, both at 24 years old, putting up seasons like they are and the Astros window isn't closing. And man, Kyle Tucker, he, he might get some MVP votes this year, but I think in the next couple of years, he's definitely going to be a guy who's going to be towards the top of that ballot. Yeah, absolutely. And if you remember back to the first, what, handful of games of the season, like up to 10 games of the season, Dusty was mm -hmm. batting in cleanup. The team knows what he can do. Yeah. He, he's legit, man. I mean, he's going to win a batting title in the next three or four years. But, yeah, I mean, just those numbers that you were talking about since May the 9th, he had that rough April where a lot of people were getting on him. But, I mean, he, he was hitting the ball hard. He just wasn't yep. finding the grass, man. He was finding gloves. So, yeah, he just the fact that he's under team control for, like, what, five more years, that's super encouraging for us, man. He's going to be, like you said, him and Jordan, they're going to be making the league minimum while we're paying big bucks to other guys. And it's just – that's what you want. You want to continue turning out that pipeline. That's what we've been doing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and just really good to see to see him capitalize. And, you know, hell, people wanted to trade him. I mean, you know, he was the, he was the guy that people were trying to trade back in, you know, 17 yeah. and 18 trying to get uh, elite starters or whatever. And good thing we held on to him. But talking about Jordan, he's at 31 homers, 98 RBI. So he's probably going to finish with – I don't know, 33, 35 homers, 105 RBIs. Really good season from a DH. He's at 137 OPS plus, so 37% better than league average. And it still yep. feels like he's not performing to what he can do. It feels like he's kind of underperformed. He's hitting 276. He's gone through some hot streaks, some cold streaks. But he's still going to finish with, you know, 30 homers, 100 RBIs. And uh, talk about another good season that we've seen. And just nice to, to have that that kind of that constant. And it seems like even when he's gone on some of these cold streaks, that the power has been there. He may not have these four or five hit nights or, you know, things like that, but he's still hitting the home runs. He's got the 31 this year. Uh, so really nice to see that he's done that in 132 games. So realistically, if you paid probably 162, you're looking at a guy that's probably hitting between 35, 40 home runs. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's Barry Bonds, but his home runs are so effortless, just like Barry Bonds home runs used to be that one that he hit Saturday, uh, Saturday night to, to dead center. That cleared the wall by like fifty feet. Man. Yeah, if it, it was way back out there. It's yeah. I mean, like, and, and, and whenever you look at the replay of it, it's like he, it's like a golf swing. It's so mm -hmm. effortless and just calm, and he's not trying to, you know, attack someone with it or anything like that. It's just amazing. But you're right, dude. <clears throat> I know batting average isn't the end all be all, but the fact that he's only hitting in the two eighties, he's going to be a three hundred hitter, and that's just going to add to all of his, um, yeah. all of his stats that he's going to have in the years to come. But man, just the fact that we got that we have him is amazing. Because sure. it's it's yeah, like we were talking earlier in the minor league uh, segment about you know signing an undrafted free agent. 
I mean, we basically got him for free. We gave him Josh mm-hmm. Fields for him. I know yeah. we've been talking, we talked about that to death, but geez, man, there's no bigger steal in baseball right now. That's than right. That. Yep. And, and on the, on the effortless thing, uh, another guy who hit a home run yesterday, Sunday, to tie the game that looked absolutely effortless, Jose Siri. We talked about him a ton this year because he had a really good year in AAA. He got finally got the opportunity to come up, had a huge home run yesterday to tie the game. And the guy's got swag that – I mean, it's – you know, that he just plays with a ton of swag. When I went down and watched the Skeeters, you see that. I mean, the guy, you know, hits a double and he's doing the arrow off his back thing and he's, you know, he's high-fiving everybody, plays with a ton of energy. You love to see something like that. And he hit that home run yesterday, dropped the bat, stared at it a little bit, put it on the train tracks, and the ball was like probably like six inches under the strike zone and, and just golfed it out there. But, man, he, he's, been a, he's been really fun to watch since he's came up. Yeah, I'm just glad that he got his opportunity. He had such a good year in the minor league system, or I'm sorry, in our minor league. Uh, he had a good minor league season. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. And I know that we kept talking about him possibly being a good trade chip, and you know we never offered him or no one wanted him, whatever. But he's at least getting his feet wet in the majors, and I know he's under contract just through the end of this year. So hopefully another team out there like maybe Miami or, or someone yeah. like that can give him a shot because he's clearly got the talent. And I love that home run and how he pimped it right afterwards oh, yeah. yesterday. He just walked halfway to first base. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, it was, it was, it was beautiful. I mean, hell, I mean, it's a big home run, a big spot. I mean, you don't want to, yeah. at this point in time, you don't want to lose a series against the Diamondbacks. Anytime you don't want to lose a series, but in the pennant race. So for him to come up and then McCormick to come up like he did, that was huge. But on uh, the next guy I'll talk about, Carlos Correa, we, we wanted to see him healthy. That's what he's been this year. He's been healthy. He's performed at a level that has been well above average, not, hasn't been necessarily his his 19 performance or his 2017 performance offensively. He's hitting 280, 24 home runs, which one more will set his career high. But he's at 6.7 wins above replacement, so <clears throat> probably going to finish above seven. Uh, 26-year-old shortstop with a win, wins above replacement above seven. Really, he's going to get paid, man. I, I We yeah. beat it to death. I hope it's the Astros. But he's a guy that he's the leader of the team right now. He's performing well. I can't wait to see what he does in the playoffs, and we'll we'll see what happens in the offseason, but really good season for Carlos. So he's he's clearly the team MVP in my opinion. I don't I don't think there's anybody else that's, that's put together a, a better season offensively and defensively than yeah. Carlos Correa, especially Saturday, just watching that game. He made two or three plays that no one else in baseball would have been able to make. Um, I know we lost that game, but still, he was just amazing and all over the field Saturday. So I know, you know, when it comes to Correa, you and I have a lot of friends – you know, a lot of connections within the baseball world or whatever. But it's funny because on this specific subject, all of them, if they're not already on board or weren't at the beginning, they're all on board now where they're all saying, mm-hmm. yeah, Crane and, and Click need to just go ahead and pay them. Yeah, and like then you'll get the people that say, yeah, I mean, you'll get some people that say, okay, well, what's fair to you? It doesn't matter. That's that, that People don't understand that. You can't say, okay, well, how much are you willing to give him? That's not a fair question. That's why I never answered on Twitter. Because whatever somebody else is going to give him, give him a dollar more. Give him, you know, whatever right. more. Because he's at the age. He's your captain on your team. He's the leader yep. of your team. He's the only one that defended us, um, you know, vocally last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just – he's the guy you pay. We beat it to death, like you said. But everyone that we know is on that same boat where, like, yeah, we need to pay him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was talking with a guy about it uh, just the other day. And if you were going to pay a guy uh, an insane contract, Carlos Correa checks all the boxes. Like you said, he's he's 26. He plays at an, a, a very important defensive position. He's elite defensively at shortstop. Hits for, uh, you know, obviously he's a good hitter. He comes up in the clutch moments. He's a leader on the team. I mean, he he represents the city well. I mean, he, he embraces the city. He's the guy that you want to pay. So we'll see what they do. 
at the end of the day, I'm, I'm just looking forward to seeing what he's going to do in the playoffs. And if it for some reason ends up being his, his last time in Houston, then hopefully he'll just go off and help us win a World Series. But on an, another guy, Alex Bregman, he's at about 80 games with half a season. And I feel like he's quietly put up a, a decent season despite yep. the injuries, but he's hitting 294. He's got about two and a half war. So he'd be on pace for like a, a five, you know, wins above replacement season, 20 homers, 30 something doubles. And, you know, he's hasn't really got it going yet. Hopefully that's coming with the playoffs coming up, but him, Jose Altuve is, is above four war. He's got 28 home runs. It, it, there's been some guys that it seems like people are sleeping on, like people are sleeping on Jose Altuve and Bregman and they've had actually pretty good seasons despite, you know, Bregman's injury concerns. But other than that, yeah. I mean, it's just, the Astros have, have, have kind of churned out some good offensive performances. Unfortunately, we talked about it. It seems like when one guy gets – when one guy kind of goes cold, the whole team has gone cold, so it's put us in some cold spells. But overall, the offense has, has still been phenomenal. We talked about that before the season. That was one thing me and you talked about, how good this offense could be. And they've they've pretty much lived up to what we expected them to do. They're, they're first in the AL and batting average, first in on-base percentage, third in slugging. Um, so just just a really good offensive performance. Saturday, whenever I was watching the game, uh, when Bregman came up, I remember them showing his numbers. I'm thinking, wow, I didn't realize he had exactly. that good numbers for missing half the season. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, he, he's – dude, it's like we said a couple weeks ago, the fact that we're getting him back for the playoffs and he hasn't even played a full season, that can be really deadly for us in a good way because yeah, he definitely. hasn't had that whole 162-game season like everybody else has. So, right. And you know how Bregman gets whenever he's uh, in the spotlight. He's always oh, – yeah. I mean, well, all of them really are. Yep. But – um. Yeah, but anyway, man, it's, it's just kind of funny because what was it, a couple of years back, or maybe it was even last year, where they were showing uh, Major League Baseball, like like the um, you know the career leaders in, in yeah. playoff, playoff home everything. runs. It's, yep. Yeah, it, well, not just home runs, but it's like everything. We got Altuve, Bregman. I'm sorry, Altuve, Correa, Springer. They're yeah. all over the board. Bregman's on Crazy. some of them. And I mean, like we've only been making the playoffs for the last seven years, really. I mean, they're beating team. They're being like Derek Jeter, Chipper yep. Jones, players like that that were in there for. 15 years every year. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool, man. Yeah. Like stuff that we never thought we might see as an Astros fan exactly. would be guys on the all time postseason leaderboard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. But talking about postseason heroics, Marwin Gonzalez is back with the Astros. I don't think yep. we've talked about that since our last podcast, but has a couple home runs. I'm not expecting a lot out of him. We'll see if he makes a postseason roster, but he's still got that versatility to play all over the infield, still a solid defender. And, you know, he, he's came up big in big moments, so we'll see what he can do this year. But just nice kind of to have him back and, and see what he can do. Yeah, I love getting Marwin back. I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't know that he'll make the postseason roster, like you said, but just mm-hmm. the fact that he's back, I mean, he's, he's the leader in the clubhouse like he was. Not the leader, but a leader yeah. in the clubhouse like he yeah, was a few years sure. back. And, yeah, love getting him back. One other guy we'll talk about on the offensive side, Jake Myers. We, phenomenal season in AAA, came up to the majors. He's had a very good performance so far. And, he may end up being the starting center fielder when, when everyone's healthy, everyone's back, and um, maybe more so than Chaz McCormick. So, man, we talked about that depth, and there's just another guy that has played well, played his, you know, played well enough to get the opportunity and, and continue playing well at the major league team. And you talk about having guys young and under control, and obviously he's under control for a while now, and he's only 25 years old. So good to see those those performances from some of those young offensive players. But unfortunately, on the pitching side, most of what we're going to talk about is going to be positive. But first, we'll start with the negative. Zach Grinke, over his last 13 innings, he's allowed 18 earned runs. And it just doesn't look like he's fooling anybody right now. And, and that's that's concerning going into the, you know, the postseason because one bad start in the postseason and, and you're down in the series already, you know, and you, you can't really yep. afford to have those. You can you can give up maybe three or four runs, but you can't have those clunkers where you're giving up six, seven runs like that. Obviously, he probably would get pulled if he was struggling, you know, early in a game. But 
we expected him to be one of our top, you know, two or three starters, maybe in the playoffs. And hopefully when the, the lights are brightest, you know, he'll, he'll show what he can do like he did in 2019. Um, but we'll see what happens. I'm just a little concerned. Hopefully I have a couple good starts for the end of the season though. Yeah, it is pretty concerning, a little bit depressing that he's the one that's doing it. I mean, especially against Arizona yesterday. Yeah. That was just super surprising. And I can't remember who it was before then, but I know you and I were texting about it. Like, you know, maybe he's just working through some stuff or what, but I'm not sure that's the case. Um, hopefully he puts it all together because we definitely need him. We need that uh, veteran presence uh, in the rotation at the uh, during the postseason. I mean, yeah. I, I, I realize McCullers is likely going to get the ball for game one, whenever that is, but we need someone there for game two because – I know you and I think a lot alike with this. Just because you get game one doesn't mean you can just give up game two. You want to oh, yeah. get a 2-0 lead immediately. Yep. And, and speaking of McCullers, he's he's our ace. I think he's proved it this year. He's he's pitched 20 or started 26 games, 150 innings, 176 strikeouts, 311 ERA. And you, you mentioned that the the positives for the hitters in the postseason, the, the Correa, the Springer, the Altuve, the Bregman. But even McCullers, we've seen him have some phenomenal performances in the postseason. So yeah, excited to see what he could do. But really good season from him. Really good season from Luis Garcia. Obviously, I'm biased. I think he should probably be, you know, win the rookie of the year. I mean, starting pitching, you know, being a rookie and having the the kind of dominance that he's had at 24 years old, I think he should he should be up there. Um, so we'll see what happens to that. But just yeah, the, the way that the Astros have continued to yep. funnel these these solid pitchers, man, has has been something else. Oh, I agree, man. Uh, Luis Garcia is his only um, competition really. Adolis Garcia up in Texas, because if so, it should be Luis Garcia. He's yeah, I mean, it's like him, and then really I well. think what Ozarena, the the outfielder from from Tampa Bay. But that I, you know, I'd like to give nod. Still a rookie? I think so. Yeah, I think he's still oh technically God. a rookie. I know he killed us last year in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, he oh Garcia, man, he's been great. Framber Valdez too, our kitty. Uh, the starting pitching we've talked about. I'm I'm a little less worried about Grinky's worrying me, but in the bullpen there are some there's some concerns. You know, and the Astros went out, they traded for Kendall Graveman, Bill Maton, Yumi Garcia. But since those trades, and it's kind of funny it's happened, but since those trades, they've gotten some really good performances out of Brooks Raley and Ryan Stanek. And since August 1st, Raley has a 1.32 ERA, struck out 17 and 13 innings. And then Ryan Stanek in 20 innings since that trade, so since August 1st, he struck out 25. He's got a 2.25 ERA, so he's allowed five runs in 20 innings. But three of those runs came in one outing. So the other 19 innings he's allowed just – two earned runs. So really good to see them kind of get it going. And probably even more importantly for Stanek, he's walked just five in the last 20 innings. And we've seen the way he kind of loses his control. But those guys getting hot going into the playoffs and giving us multiple arms to use out of the bullpen is going to be extremely important for Dusty Baker. Yeah, Ryan Stanek has definitely been pitching real, uh, much better than he had been. Uh, Brooks Raley, whatever. I mean, Dusty <laughs> throws him out there every other game, it seems like. So, I mean, a, a blind squirrel will find a nut every now and then. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. That's been talked to death at this point. I don't really know what all we can say. You've got that select few on Twitter that are going to defend him no matter what, and then the other ones are just going to dump on him. Yeah. I'd love to be in the happy medium in the middle of that, <laughs> but it just hasn't been the case. Um, so, I mean, I, I hope he he does well. I don't. Do you think he makes a postseason roster? I mean, if, if I mean, they want to, if they want to carry a lefty, is it going to be him or Blake Taylor? I feel like it's going to be Brooks Raley, just based on the way that Dusty has used him. So, I, I could see right. him. I could see him making the postseason roster. Yeah. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully he'll. If you use, it seems like if you use him in the right spots, he can be effective. Obviously, the three batter minimum is is hurt him. You know, he he comes in and faces one lefty, then he's got to face two righties after that, or he comes in and faces uh, a lefty, and then they pinch hit, and now he's having to face three righties in a row or whatever. But but we'll see. At the end of the day, 
Oh, good. I get that, man, but he's still got to be able to get guys out on both sides of the plate. Oh, for sure, I mean, especially nowadays. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, and I mean, like, I get it. He's basically a left-handed reliever or a left-handed specialist. That's fine. But every now and then, you need to get those right-handed batters out consistently and not just give up home runs because yeah. that's basically what he does. Yeah, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. It's nice that he's he's been performing a little bit better, and uh, and I think it's also been that the Astros have been able to use him in more low-leverage situations. He's not pitching in the seventh and eighth inning with a, in a one-run game. So we'll see what happens with the playoffs at this point, man. 88-61, and 61, I'm just ready to get to the end of the season, get the AL West wrapped up, get into that probably matchup against the, the Chicago White Sox and the ALDS, and then we'll go from there. But uh, been a great season, great season in the minors for the Hooks, the Taurus, the, the Woodpeckers. Skeeter still got a little bit to go, so we'll when that ends, we'll definitely hit on that a lot. But overall, just a, a good year, a good, fun 2021 season so far. Yeah, and we'll still be talking about him over the summer whenever we record episodes as well. I mean, a for lot sure. of these guys that we'll be looking forward to and just there's going to be news out there no matter what. So, yeah, yeah. it's definitely exciting, man. Yeah, and our, our plan is, for those still listening, our plan is we're going to be having uh, a lot of guests on the offseason. Obviously, the content will slow down a little bit, but we'll have a lot of free time to talk with some prospects, so we'll, we'll be sure to have some of those on. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode, so if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to follow at Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video, podcasts, and more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of the Astros Future Podcast, covering your Astros in the minor league system.